0: From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on Giants fans to episode 83 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. We are now less than a month away from the NFL year officially beginning. We'll have the combine in a couple weeks. Free agency rumors are heating up. And then March 9th, everything will start. Free agency, trades, it's all on the table in less than a month. And the Giants have an interesting offseason here. Not one we expect to be close to as active as last year, but some big decisions to make, both in guys they keep, guys they might release, and who they might go after in free agency. James, uh, we'll start with you. It's a different year. I mean, it's weird, because last year we were all gearing up, and I remember talking to you at this time last year for the Giants to be big players. And this year... That same feeling isn't there, yet there are some big decisions to be made.
1: Yeah, no, they they don't have nearly as much cap space the, this offseason at the moment as they did last year. And I don't think there's necessarily as much of a major push that they, they have to desperately add these certain pieces. But they have some really big decisions to make. Obviously, Jason Pierre-Paul is the, the headliner in this free agency class of their own they have to make a decision on. You also got Jonathan Hankins. You've also got, to a lesser extent, you know, kind of the second tier, Keenan Robinson and some other guys. And you also have some guys on the roster that they're going to have to make decisions on. We've talked ad nauseum about DRC, whether there's a decision to be made there or not. Uh, JT Thomas, Shane Vereen, maybe, maybe even Dwayne Harris, although I think that's not really going to happen for a couple of reasons. So uh, the Giants. St- they're very, this is kind of a low-key offseason, but I do think there's a lot of things they're going to have to do in the next couple of weeks that are going to be interesting and intriguing as they sort of get the ball rolling on 2017.
0: Dan, when you look at the offseason, what's the first thing that pops out to you when you look at the guys they have that they could resign or, or could get rid of? Like When you look at all the decisions they have to make over the next couple of weeks, which one is the most intriguing to you?
2: So as far as what matters is definitely JPP. I mean, I think he's someone we're going to talk about a lot, you know, over the next month, uh, month plus once free agency kicks off. I mean, that's clearly the biggest guy that they have to make a decision on as far as re-signing players. Uh, He's going to command the most money. He's the best player that's a free agent. And I think really what they do with him is kind of going to be the first domino that will dictate, you know, what they do in free agency, you know, where their priorities lie because obviously you bring him back, you're going to tie up a lot of your cap and, and, but then again, you don't have to go out and find a defensive end. So uh, it'll be really interesting. I think it's going to set the agenda for the offseason. I know we're going to get into that more, but I think JPP is really the, you know, kind of the key point uh, that's going to, you know, set the stage for how this offseason plays out.
0: So, James, when you look at the JPP situation and, and how big of a deal this is, I mean, w- obviously he's been there for years. He's been one of the best players for years. They did get through a couple games without him last year, and, and they actually played well in a couple games without him. But how vital is this decision for the Giants? You know, not only in, you know, what he means to the team and, you know, the fan base has been there for a long time, but their defense. How important is JPP to to what they want to do next year? I mean, is, is he a make or break for them? Or are they going to have a price, you think, and say, look, we'll give you this, but if you get more, you know, thanks for the memories.
1: Yeah, I look, I think strictly you look at the player, of course JPP is really important to what they're trying to do just because, you know, this whole thing is kind of built on having you know Olivier Vernon on one side, JPP on the other, generating that sort of pass rush. I mean, I know they both didn't have major sack numbers this year, but I I felt like right before JPP got hurt, they definitely were getting to a point. Granted, they had played the Bears and the Browns, that the pass rush was kind of becoming an overwhelming thing for opposing offenses. That being said. I don't look at it as a make or break decision for the Giants because I think there's a good chance the Giants really don't have a decision to, to make. Just because the way I look at it is, and I, I'll see what Dan and you guys think, is that if JPP gets the market that he, uh, we, we, you know, reportedly desires and of uh, you know no brainer would desire to be paid at the level of what the Giants gave Olivier Vernon last season. I don't really know if the Giants are going to have much to say about that. I mean, I think if that market develops for JPP and someone's willing to give him that much money, or you know, even more, considering the cap's going to you know go up at least ten million again, probably the Giants might just have to shake his hand and wish him all the best and thank him for everything. I think if that market doesn't develop for JPP and his price is below Vernon, then I think the Giants. I think the lower the market is set for JPP the better the Giants' chances of re-signing him are. But if he gets anywhere near Vernon money, my thought process is the Giants really can't go that high, and they're just going to have to accept the fact that he's going to go someplace else.
0: Dan, how do you feel about this? I mean, we were talking before we we hopped on at the start of the episode. So the Giants are sitting at about $24 million as we record this podcast on um uh, monday february thirteenth that I mean we know that 's going to change they so 'll probably be able to clear out some more money um maybe not twenty million more, but a little bit more to to add and to keep some guys they have. Do you think that j p b could price himself out or do you think they have enough money if they want to bring him back that they 'll make it work
2: yeah i certainly think he could price himself out i mean to to put in context you know when james mentions vernon's contract you 're talking. Five years, eighty-five million, with you know fifty-two million guaranteed. So obviously, that's that, that's a pretty hefty chunk of change. Um, I think the thing that was working against JVP is obviously uh, his injury history, and that's not even just including you know his hand, which you know he really showed wasn't a factor this year. But uh, you know hasn't played sixteen games, uh, very many times in his career at all. Uh, you know, obviously missed the end of this season, and he's a year and a half older than Vernon. So all those things are going to work against him, and obviously maybe work in the Giants' favor if you want to look at it like that. But if, if he holds if he holds strong at that, that Vernon thing, I think at that point you probably have to walk away. I mean, I, I actually think, you know, pound for pound on the field this year, JPP was probably a little bit better than Vernon. Not that, you know, there's no slight there. I mean, they both played, you know, at or, you know, around Pro Bowl level. But uh, I think JPP was a little bit more of a, a disruptive factor in kind of all facets. But, again, th- those factors of the injuries and the age should knock his value down a bit. But like James said, I mean, teams—you you look around the league. Teams have so much money in cap space. This is a little bit like what the Giants did last year, but but even more. So if somebody wants JBP and they're willing to pay whatever it is, if you're the Giants, you absolutely can't afford to get into a bidding war and and, and pay this guy just an obscene amount of money. It's just—it's there's just value, and it becomes to a point where it's not worth it anymore. So uh, I definitely think they could get priced out. If I'm the Giants, I think the thing I would love to do is. Get him on a four year deal too, even just knock off uh, an extra year because obviously that's going to bring the money down. Uh, I mean, you're going to pay a lot of guaranteed money to a guy in his position, uh, but if you can get it to like in the four years, you know, 64 million rather than five years, 85, uh, you know, I think that would be ideal. Uh, but again, it's the market's going to dictate it. I mean, JPP's made it clear he's not interested in a hometown discount. Can't blame him. He's, he's you know, he's taken two under market uh, deals the last two years, obviously, uh, you know, through his own fault of the you know, fireworks accident. But this is his last chance to cash in. So uh, even the even the franchise tag, you know, he said he doesn't want that. Uh, obviously, if he gets 17 million dollars for one year, that wouldn't be uh, the worst thing to set up your family. But you know, like I said, 52 million guarantees a lot better, and I think he's obviously uh, you know going to look for a deal like that.
0: Yeah, the franchise tag is interesting, J- James. Do you think that's an option here? Because you know, if the Giants don't want to go four or five years with all that guaranteed money. They, I mean, we've seen this. We see it basically every year where a team doesn't feel like they're ready to do that or they don't want it or they're not comfortable. They keep a guy for a year and they worry about it the next year. It would take up a, a large chunk of their cash base, but, of course, they'd keep him from leaving.
1: I think it's only an option if the Giants, and I don't think this is the way they're looking at things, have decided that they are going all out in 2017 to try to win the Super Bowl. Because if you tag JPP, I mean, he, he – look, he said he didn't want the cap space. Well, you're not going to probably be able to come to a long-term agreement with him before the deadline for the, the tag. So it's almost like JPB is here for 2017. He's taking, well, you have basically $24 million projected cap space right now. The, the tag is projected to be $17 million for defensive ends. So he's basically taking all of your cap space in, in one move. He's probably not going to be happy and – my assumption is he, he plays the 2017 season, and then you really have no shot to get him because he hits the market again next year. I don't think you're going to tag him a second time and jack it up. I don't even know if they would be able to tag him a, a second time. It would technically be a third time dating back to the injury. And then the cap's going to go up again, and his – Price range is going to go up again. You know you have Melvin Ingram from the Chargers about to hit the market. So honestly, there's a chance he might surpass what Vernon gets, and then JPP will be, would be shooting for Melvin Ingram money in, in 2018. So I don't think the tag is a realistic option just because you tie up so much of your cap space into it. Now, another thing, I think Giants fans have to realize this. JPP should have been signed to a long-term deal in 2015. Now, I, I'm not trying to relitigate the, the, the fireworks accident or put blame on him or blame on anybody. I'm just saying if JPP doesn't have that freak accident, he would have signed his you know long-term big payday two years ago. They probably still would have been able to get Vernon last offseason, and they'd be set now. So I, I just think it's, it's a really unique situation that might all conspire against the Giants and lead them to lose Jason Pierre-Paul – two years after he should have signed a long-term deal with them.
2: The big mitigating factor I'll throw in with JPP too is I would feel a lot better about letting him walk if you had somebody waiting in the wings that showed that they could step in and and they don't have that at all. That's, That's the biggest problem. I, you know, I think I've said this before on this podcast. We talk so much about cap savings, but it's not really cap savings. If you let JBP walk, you still have to spend a good chunk of what you would have given him to, to find a replacement. So it's not just oh, we have all this money to spend. Well, yeah, now you got to go fill the hole you just created by you know saving that money. So uh, it's like a guy like if if Owa Odigazua – had shown what they were probably hoping they would have, you know, seen from him as a third-round pick. You maybe feel better about letting JPP walk, uh, but he hasn't at all in his two years. Uh, Romeo Aquara, I know everyone, you know, everyone gets excited about an undrafted free agent, anyways. And he had the great start against the Cowboys in JPP's place, and then you didn't hear his name the rest of the season. And That's not a knock on him. I think he's a very good undrafted free agent. I mean, to get that out of him as a rookie was great. I think he's a you know a piece going forward. But definitely better suited as a number three defensive end in a rotation. Uh, so that that's my biggest feeling why the Giants really need to re-sign JPP and, and figure out a way to make it work. Uh, it's just that there's no obvious replacement. So then you're going to let him walk because the price tag gets too high. Which I, I mean, I think there is a you know they have to set uh, a value and not you know get cra- go crazy and uh, you know outbid it anything like that. But then you're going to go get someone else for you know probably close to that or, or you know at least uh, you know a, a good amount of money. And he's not going to be as good a player. So, I mean, everything is all about value, obviously, when you're balancing these things. But I I think the biggest problem for them is they don't have any leverage in the sense that, hey, if you walk, we'll just plug Owe in there because, uh, you know, no one's going to believe that and and they obviously wouldn't feel good about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point. And, I mean, their defense is the strength of their team. I mean, they they should want to keep that together. All right, so both of you guys have said – that, and I, I think this makes sense for a team, you know, set a price, and then if it gets too crazy, you have to just be willing to walk away. But to play devil's advocate here, James, I'm looking at their list of potential free agents, guys that are mm-hmm. going to hit the market. They have to either resign or walk away from. We've already said they have about 24 million. Maybe they can get it up to around 30 million. Who else do they have to pay here, right? Like I'm looking at Pierre Paul, and I get it, right? You don't want to say, okay, we're going to give this much of the cap. To him, because he's only one guy, and he hasn't been the most durable player. But it's not like we're looking at a list of five or six guys that we all think they have to resign, right? Like they don't have that many impact potential free agents outside of Pierre Paul, and we could throw Jonathan Hankins in there, right? Or, or do you think they have to bring back some of these other guys?
1: Well, I don't. I think there are some guys that are going to be free agents this year that they're looking to bring back. But don't look at this year. Look at next year when Weston Richburg and uh, Justin Pugh are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents. Look down the road where, you know, Odell Beckham's extension is looming, Landon Collins, you know, so I think that's more the thing. The Giants are kind of in a strange place where they don't have any really must-re-sign guys with the exception of maybe JPP and Hankins on this year's free agent class, but next year they're going to have, you know, Two building blocks, you would think, on their offensive line, and then they've got the two superstars down the road as well. So I think that's what the Giants have to kind of they have to kind of have an eye to the future as well. You know, look, the, I think I think we've said this a lot of times. The Giants are in a kind of a f- interesting place as a franchise because they're trying to win now with their aging quarterback who's on the back nine, but they also have this good young talent in their team they're trying to maybe build a future down the road in the post Eli era so I think they also have to consider the guys that are coming up soon what if they're going to tie up a tremendous amount of cap space not only this year but next year and going forward in Jason Pierre Paul
0: yeah I think that makes sense I mean just think about it for this year I mean they have plenty of cap room to fit them in then we move forward, and, and things could change there. The other big name, the second big name, is a guy that plays next to Pierre Paul on defensive line. Sometimes, a lot of times, uh, Dan and, and Jonathan Hankins. H- I don't know how the, the Giants can assess what what he's worth compared to what the Pierre Paul's worth. I mean, they play different positions both on the defensive line. It's hard to imagine both are coming back. Uh, how do you think they should value Hankins here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if it's an either or proposition, you'd take JPP. You know, ten times out of ten, if you if you're matching them up with Hankins. But of course, the problem is there that that's that's going to drive the value up for JPP. So uh, it'd be a lot more expensive to keep him. Uh, so I think it's almost like a deal. Maybe Hankins becomes a consolation if you if you lose JPP, you can bring Hankins back. Uh, you know, at a, at a much cheaper deal. But it's going to be interesting to see what his market is because. Honestly, I've kind of come to the point where I would let him walk. I mean, I know that you know people are still kind of scarred by letting Linval Joseph walk, and he's really blossomed with the Vikings. But I think the difference now is you have Damon Harrison, and he's so good that it almost makes the guy next to him—I don't want to say irrelevant—because you still need a you know you want a good player. They want as many good players as you can have. But having Harrison be such a dominant factor, I think you can get by with just an average player there. Because at the same time, too, you have to disperse your money around you can't pay top dollar for four defensive linemen that's just that's just not a good way to to spread things out you're going to have gaping holes other places if you invest so heavily in one position so I think you can get by with like I said just like a league average type of player whether that's Jay Bromley uh, or whether that's some cheap veteran free agent they bring in as a stopgap and I think no matter what they probably need to draft a defensive tackle so Uh, you know unless they can get Hankins really cheap or if they you know they strike out on JPP have a little money laying around and they feel like well at least we'll bring Hankins back but I just don't see him as a a pressing need you know if you bring JPP back then you have you know three dynamite defensive linemen it becomes even less important I think to have a star at that you know that fourth spot so I'm basically at the point where uh, unless Hankins they can get for real cheap which I don't think they will I mean he's still a young guy and and has some potential but I just don't see the need uh, to tie up a lot of money there because, again, you have needs uh, on the other side of the ball, which we haven't even addressed yet. I mean, defense, like you said, they had a great defense last year. You want to almost just kind of keep it together. Obviously, that's not easy with JPP situation, but you have to address the holes on the other side, so you might need to to make a sacrifice on defense. And, and to me, if it comes down to, to Hankins and the JPP, and obviously it won't dollars and cents-wise, but just in terms of who I'd rather have back, it's it's definitely JPP, and, and I think you can live without Hankins.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And James, I you know, when it comes to Hankins, Dan mentioned the the Linville-Joseph decision. I mean, that one sticks out to me because he was a, a rising player who I think was also a second-round pick, just like... Hankins was uh, in his year, and then he got better. And you know he didn't become the player is now with the Vikings, but he was good. And I, and Hankins is good, and I could see Hankins getting even better somewhere else. But the Giants didn't seem that much problem letting him go. And even before that, years ago, Barry Cofield. I mean, the, the, Jerry Reese has kind of done this: draft defensive tackles, watch them play pretty well, and then let somebody else pay them.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think what Dan said about the JPP and having you know the replacement on the roster is a good point. You can look at the defensive tackle and say. Now, I don't think any of the guys they have in their roster are said to be a superstar, but I do think they have a little bit more of a legitimate claim with their current roster that they can replace Hankins in the sense that you have Jay Bromley, who's been a guy who's flashed, you know, but he hasn't had a whole lot of playing time in his career. He's a guy you spent a third round pick on. He kind of really needs to kind of step up. You know, you have Robert Thomas, you know, the 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 mysterious Robert Thomas who they kept on the roster for a month. He's got some pass rushing ability. You know, you have the ability to draft a defensive tackle. Um, am I forgetting any of DTs, Dan, off the top of my head? Thomas Bromley.
2: No, that, that, that's it, yeah. Okay. You know, so
1: that like, you do have guys. I mean, Jay Bromley has started games before, and I think Dan's right. If You, if you, you know, you kind of have the snacks effect, where if you put a guy next to snacks, his level of play is going to be raised a little bit, you know, just because he's playing, you know, maybe with one of the the best defensive tackle in the league. I think with Hankins, it's sort of like JPP. We don't really know what the market is going to be for him. You've got you know three you know big name tackles: Kawan Short from Carolina, Don Terry Poe from Kansas City, Brandon Williams from Baltimore. All scheduled to be free agents. Short and Poe are potentially franchise tag guys, but you know I don't know does the rising tide kind of raise all ships? And and Hankins is going to get a lot of money. For a team that needs a defensive tackle, because those guys are getting big money, or is it going to still be a situation where you know those guys? I mean, I think Kawan Shorts elite, Poe's kind of close to elite. You know, Williams is a guy who I think might be able to you know run stuff or who might kind of get to ride snacks as financial coattails and make some money this offseason. Or are those teams going to say, well, you know, is a good player, but he's nowhere near these guys, and we're not going to pay top dollar for that because we can just go draft a defensive tackle or, or, or we have a guy on our own team. So. That's the big thing for me, is what does Hankins' market become? If Hankins' market is reasonable, I think the Giants probably could re-sign him, if nothing else, then to make sure they don't go over two with JPP and Hankins, and they do bring back a guy that they like and everything. But I agree with Dan. I I don't think if the Giants lose Jonathan Hankins, I don't think it's the end of the world, and I think it's something that they could relatively quickly recover from,
2: whether it's in the draft or the guys they have on their roster. Yeah, I actually think the— Probably number two priority in free agency, and like you said, Joe, they're on a lot of you know, big guys. There's a lot of veterans you can probably bring back on you know, minimum or, or close to minimum deals. I think Keenan Robinson is, is probably more important uh, than Hankins because I think he plays a little bit more of an important role. I mean, he was that, that coverage linebacker that they you know so desperately lacked in 2015. Uh, you know, I thought he had a you know, very solid season, stayed healthy, which was probably the biggest thing for him last year. Uh, I don't think he's going to command top dollar. I mean, he's probably not going to be looking for another one-year deal because, you know, he showed that he can stay healthy, and I think he, he kind of boosted his value uh, with how he played last year. But I think he's more important to what the Giants do, uh, especially if, if they're going to give B.J. Goodson a shot at middle linebacker, which, I mean, they haven't come out and said that, but it, it seems logical, uh, especially because Kelvin Shepard is a free agent, and he really didn't play that well last season. Uh, so if you're going to put Goodson in there as a rookie who's, who's more of a downhill, uh, old-school middle linebacker, I think Robinson's even more valuable. Uh, because he'd be that guy to come in passing situations, which he did so much of last season anyways. so uh, I really say he's more uh, of a priority in my opinion than hankins would be
0: James and that's interesting i I hadn't thought of Robinson in that in the with that word that p word priority, but I, it's hard to disagree. I mean, he play, plays a pretty big role for them and and I could see why they'd want to have him back. James, when you look at the rest of the list, right Pierre Paul and hankins, they're the top names we mentioned earlier there's not you know, six or seven can't let them go guys. Uh, Dan just mentioned Keenan Robinson. When you look at the list, give me a name that, that you'd look at and say, you know, this guy's interesting. I wonder if they're going to bring him back or move on or what they're going to do with this player.
1: Oh, man. You're right. It's not exactly like a, a great list. Is it Robinson think,
0: for you or is it
1: someone else? I think Robinson, I agree with Dan. I, I would have Robinson as the second priority behind um, JPP. Hankman would be third. I think there's some interesting. I mean, obviously, I think backup quarterback is something interesting. You know, are they going to bring Josh Johnson back? Are they going to bring Ryan Nassib back? You know, first, I think, you know, what's the status of Ryan Nassib's elbow? I mean, no one really kind of explained how significant his elbow injury was when he had surgery at the end of the season. Uh,. Leon Hall's a guy who I think could be interesting just because, you know, he really couldn't play cornerback. I think it was kind of clear. But then he kinda really early in the year he really struggled. He came on really strong at the end, basically became starting safety for the Giants. So he's a guy who's interesting. I mean, for me, I think Orleans Darqua, he's a restricted free agent, is a guy who's really interesting. The fans love him. The, The the guy has produced usually whenever he's been given a chance. But it seems like the Giants have kinda of jerked him around a lot with his playing time. Since he, you know, kinda, of, you know, came into his own again that game two years ago against the Cowboys. They never really consistently gone to him. Obviously he had the injury that kinda of hampered him before he got put on IR. So I, I'm really intrigued to see what the Giants do with Darkwood because I think he's a talented enough guy that someone out there is gonna tender him, I would assume. You know, did the Giants tender him? And if someone else tenders him, do the Giants match that and bring him back? I think that's something I'm intrigued to see because you look at the running back situation. We know we got Paul Perkins. You assume Shane Vereen should be back. Rashad Jennings kind of up in the air. I mean, who's the fourth back going to be Are they going to draft a guy? Or might they go to Darkwood and give Darkwood a chance to get significant carries this year?
0: Dark was interesting. I know a lot of fans always are interested in what he's going to be and if he could be anything. Um, and time will tell on that. But they have big decisions to make here. And and before we get to a story you wrote, James, that we could have a little debate on today as we look forward to free agency. From each of you, give me an overview of what you think this free agent class looks like. I know, James, you put out your top 50 last week. Um, Dan, when you look at this Upcoming free agent class, and we can include JPP as part of it, and Hankins as part of it. Is this a strong one? Is it kind of mediocre? When when you see it, what do you look at as as the Giants one try to retain their own guys, and then two look at what's out there?
2: Yeah, well, I've I've really only looked at it from a Giants perspective, and I mean, I don't know how you would really classify if it's it's strong or not. I I think you just look at the positions that they're going to need. Is it strong? And uh, when you look at left tackle, which I think is the number one need for this team this offseason. Uh, it's thin. It, it's it, it's strong in the sense that Andrew Whitworth would be kind of a perfect fit uh, as a as a short term guy, um, the you know, the Bengals left tackle. Uh, but after him, it's a it's a steep drop off, and and he obviously comes with some questions in the fact that he's you know 35 years old. So uh, you you know he's been durable, but I don't know how long how much of an investment you want to make in a 35 year old. But it's just such a desperate need that he would be uh, the guy. But like I said, the fact that there's not much behind him, uh, and even some of the other tackles or right tackles uh, wouldn't be. Uh, you know, it wouldn't come without questions, put it that way. Uh, you know, tight end's another position where I think there is a little bit more depth, but uh I don't know that I wanna shell out, you know, kind of the big bucks that Martellus Bennett is probably gonna be looking for. And I think the Patriots probably need to bring him back just with uh, you know, Gronk's status so uncertain. So I think when you look at tight end, I don't think there's a lot of those kind of up and coming, uh, you know, young guys that could be your tight end of the future. I think really I think the draft is probably a better spot to uh to find that type of tight end for them. I mean, guard is a strong spot, but I don't really think that's. And I know a lot of fans, you know, look at some of the names of guard. I don't really think that's a spot that they want to go heavy with the big investment in because, uh, you know, you have Justin Pugh and he's going to be coming up, you know, for an extension. uh, So you're going to be paying big money to one guard spot. And if you go shell out for one of these top guards, Your tackle spots, you're going to put the tackle money at guard, which doesn't make sense to me because then what are you going to come back with Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart again? So uh, I think that's a spot where it's strong at guard. It doesn't really help what the Giants are looking for. Um, You know, I don't think that there's a lot of defensive ends that, you know, are on JPP's level. And if they are, they're going to, you know, command just as much money. You know, it's a Colise Campbell type guy. Um, So... Uh, you know, I don't think it's—I uh, don't think there's a lot of easy answers. So I don't know if that answers your question as far as what's a strong class. But I don't think if you look at what the Giants need, uh, there's a ton of you can just say, oh, that position's loaded, so they're going to fall into a guy. I mean, wide receivers probably that spot. I think that they can definitely get a quality number three wide receiver, uh, you know, in free agency. Uh, but when you look at the other big holes they have to fill, I don't think there's a ton of options in a really you know deep position where they can just say, oh, well, you know, we'll get a left tackle in free agency, no problem.
0: Yeah, last year it felt easier, right? The Giants needed defensive players. They needed help there, and there was a whole bunch of them available, and they got a corner, they got a defensive end, they got a defensive tackle, and and away they went. This year doesn't feel as simple for them. James, you had a piece, we're doing this podcast on a Monday, that was on on NJ.com today about a potential option for the Giants. Now, Dan just mentioned wide receiver, and the Giants are going to need a third option at wide receiver. If we imagine, you know, Beckham's number one, Shepard's going to emerge, and they hope become their number two. Who's that number three? And you wrote about Deshaun Jackson, who, in a lot of years, would be you know the second or third or fourth you know best receiver on free agent class. I don't know where he ranks this year because there's a lot of good ones. But you think it could be an option for the Giants?
1: I don't know if it's a realistic option for the Giants. I mean, obviously, it's February 13th. Uh, just having a little fun, obviously, with all the... But I, I do think Deshaun would be a fascinating fit for the Giants. As I wrote, like, look, I, I understand, you know, there are concerns about, you know, his attitude and the off-field stuff. You, you know, size concerns. He would be another kind of five foot tenish wide receiver. The Giants have a lot of those. They don't really have the big six foot three you know, skyscraper receiver. But the Giants need to add... Another outside presence, a guy with speed, who can stretch the field, take the top off of a defense. They really didn't have that this year. Well, Tavares King gave it to him for two games, but, you know, after they had let him sit on the bench for two months. But I just think you look at Deshaun, I I, I just think if you're going to make a splash move, and I don't know if the Giants necessarily are looking to make a splash move, Deshaun Jackson would be a move that makes the Giants immediately better on offense. Cripples the Redskins' offense, especially if they're going to lose Pierre Garcon too. Demoralizes the Eagles, who have basically been planning this thing for a year now, and the Cowboys, who have multiple defensive backs set to hit free agency. I mean, they they've got to be pretty darn worried too that the Giants, their biggest threat in the NFC East at this point, are adding you know an explosive playmaker. So, I think it'd be a fascinating move. Obviously, it'd kind of be theatrics, but you know, Deshaun's giant killer reputation and the way it would kind of impact the rest of the teams in the division but I don't think they're signing all Sean Jeffrey and I look at that list I think you know you know Kenny stills you know he's probably he's younger so he's going to command more money the Sean is 30 but it, that would be kind of a here the Giants are they're going for it move I think it's a swing for the fence move I don't know if they'd actually make it but if they did make it I think it would generate a lot of excitement and it would be really kind of fascinating to, to add the Sean into the fold.
0: I mean, it, it would be headline worthy. There's no doubt about that. I think it'd be fascinating, too. And I think the offense would be f- fun to watch with him and Odell out there. I can't see it. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's the past history between them. Maybe it's just uh, with one receiver with a big personality on the roster already with Beckham. I can't see them going after a, a second. As much as it'd be fun to watch in theory, it just, it would, it would shock me. Dan, where, where do you stand on, on just the idea of the Giants going after uh, Deshaun Jackson?
2: Uh, yeah, that would be a, a pass for me. Just, just not, not interesting to me. I mean, interesting as far as it would be, definitely some sizzle. Uh, you know, I said it to someone on Twitter this morning. It would look great on Madden, like if you oh, just Deshaun Jackson running down the other sideline opposite Odell. That would that would work, and it seems like it should work. But I just don't see it as a good fit for what they need because we've spent you know pretty much all season and into the off season talking about how they do need size, and you're going to bring in another. You know, he's probably the smallest receiver they have. That doesn't make a lot of sense for me. i was 30 years old, uh, so speedy wide receivers, you know, getting on the wrong side of 30, that doesn't seem like a great recipe. Um, I mean, I know he does not missed a ton of games, but it just seems like he's always banged up. And and you know, will he play? Won't he play? To, you know, does miss some time. I don't think you know that's that shouldn't help his cause. Uh, and then, I mean, the elephant in the room is we spent so much time. Everyone in the you know, under the sun is you know, talking about mentoring Odell Beckham. I don't I don't think I would look <laughs> yeah, at Deshaun Jackson as the guy that oh that's who I want to, you know, kinda of take Odell under his wing and, and they are friendly. So uh, you know, I, I could see Odell maybe being a little bit of a follower if, if Jackson did come in and I just don't know that that's the road you want him going down. Um so yeah, there's just there's just so many question marks there. And again, I think there there is a you know, pretty deep wide receiver class. I think mean, there always is. Uh, that you can get a guy um, who will fit a lot better, uh, probably be the same money, or maybe even cheaper than what a guy like Jackson is going to command. So uh, I'd much rather go that route. I mean, I think there's a lot, you know, again, I think size is probably the biggest thing they need just to have something a little different uh, than what they already have and more of a red zone threat. And I think there's plenty of those guys out there. Like, I don't think, like James said, I don't think they're going to Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the top free agent receiver. I don't think they need to do that. Um, And even a guy like Terrell Pryor is probably going to ask for too much money and he's kind of has a, a weird relationship with guys from the league it seems like of course George Jenkins uh, not a big yeah, fan but
1: would J- have to sign off
2: on that. <laughs> yeah so uh, that, you know that could be an interesting first day of training camp if that would happen but uh, no there's plenty of guys though in that in that kind of middle tier of um, you know Kenny Britt who would have his own kind of question marks about coming back to jersey but otherwise he is kind of the the perfect fit as far as you know size and, and what he brings on the field uh, but there's plenty of guys you know Brandon LaFell or uh, you know, you just kind of go down the list. Terrence Williams from the Cowboys—he was a good number three receiver for them. Probably wouldn't break the bank. Um, I just think there's plenty of guys that they could go that would be a much better fit. I mean, Deshaun would be, uh, would be kind of fun for us, I think. But I just don't—I don't see Ben McAdoo wanting that uh, on his roster in his locker room when when there are other options. I mean, you talk about Pierre Garcon, not a big guy, and, and he is older. Uh, he's thirty, just like Jackson. But I think he'd be a, a great fit just because he is uh, it he brings up physical edge out there and is and tough. It kinda of like almost like a, a smaller version of Anquan Bolden. Uh so he's someone who intrigued me more, but I think he's probably gonna, you know, cost more than what they want to spend for that role. But yeah, I just I, I think I'd have to uh pass on Jackson. I think the best thing that could happen to the Giants is let some team, you know, in the you know, let the Raiders sign him or something, you know, get him out of the NFC East. I think that would be the best case scenario for the Giants. Joe, just
1: to go back to like one I don't actually think I mean I would find it Kind of a long shot that the Giants would sign Deshaun Jackson. I just thought it was kind of an interesting possibility to throw out there. To get back to what you said about the free agent class, so I think there's a good chance that you know when we get to the owners' meetings in late March and we all head out to Phoenix, the Giants really won't have done a whole heck of a lot in free agency. You know, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what it was last year. Just because Dan's right, you look at the the positions the Giants need and the positions you know that what guys are going to be available. Not a lot of depth there. I mean, everyone talks about Whitworth, and I think he'd be a no-brainer addition as a left tackle. But if he goes elsewhere, or he resigns with the Bengals, I think, you know, if the Giants are going to make a move for a veteran left tackle, it's going to have to be a trade because I just, I mean, people bring up Riley Reif, but I don't see how adding I his job as a left tackle in Detroit to a rookie after struggling and it was so, so, you know, good, you know, Solid as a right tackle, I don't see why signing that guy to a multi-year contract and then putting him at left tackle is really going to make the situation any much better. And and he's you know yeah I guess you know Matt Khalil people bring up and the guy that's had hip surgery and and he struggled at left tackle. So unless you know some guy unexpectedly hits the market, you know I do think one guy that could be a fit would be Russell Okung. Denver is probably going to have to make a move on him because I think he's due like $20 million in guaranteed money if they pick up his option. So I just think there's a good chance the Giants maybe make some you know little tweaks here and there, add some veteran role players, you know, some chess pieces. But they don't really do a whole heck of a lot, and then they kind of punt it forward to the draft. I think there's a chance that the Giants really – they have cap space, and I do think they'll make some signings. I just don't know if they'll necessarily make any big wow signings.
0: Yeah, the opposite of last year. It's going to be interesting to see how they play this out. JPP, we're going to keep our eye on Hankins and what they do with a guy like Keenan Robinson. So, guys, the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll have the combine coming up. And then this, this whole thing gets going on March 9th. Right, Dan? So a little less than a month away from, uh, you know, the, it's basically football year closes for what, a couple of weeks and then it comes back?
2: Yeah, it's funny. Everyone's freaking out that, oh, there's no football on Sunday for the first time in forever. But, yeah, it, it, there's not much of a break here because, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Combine is basically two weeks from today. And, and like you said, then free agency and then we'll really get rolling. So, uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of downtime here, but it's going to ramp up pretty quickly.
0: It will. And, and we'll ramp up with it. We'll be back with more of these episodes. We get closer to free agency, looking at what the Giants could do, uh, where they're at. And, of course, some reaction from the Combine and, and what makes sense for the Giants. James, as always, thanks for doing this. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. And thanks to all of you for for listening to episode 83 of Talk is Cheap. We'll be back soon on NJ.com, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there with Talk is Cheap.